Good evening. We're glad that you're here tonight. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together. We have a number of our young folks that are away at camp, and we trust that they'll have a great week and be back home on Friday. We're going to be looking tonight at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39, the passage that was read a moment ago. I want to share with you tonight three keys to staying in the Christian race. The goal of every Christian is to one day go to heaven. That's what, that's what we're striving for. And so as we think about that eternal prize that awaits us, I guess maybe the question that might be asked, how do we make it? In other words, how do we get through this life? And there are a lot of people in, in days gone by that have given up. They've faltered along the way. They've not been what they ought to be. And yet what the Lord wants us to do is to stay in the race. And Christianity would probably, Christianity would probably be well served by comparing the Christian race to a marathon because it's not a sprint, but rather it is something that we must stay engaged in. So tonight we're going to be talking about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. And I want us to think for a minute or two about some of the keys that will help us stay in the Christian race. When you obeyed the gospel, you literally signed on to live faithfully for the Lord until death. And ultimately, the expectation, a home in heaven. The Bible provides us with a blueprint on how to get to heaven. That's our goal. That's what we want. That's what we want more than anything else. And so the question is, how can we, as God's people, stay in the race and ultimately achieve success? Let me begin by saying, first of all, we need to stay focused. We talk about focus in life, and if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to be what the Lord would have you to be, you have to keep your eyes on the Lord. And so, in light of that, listen to what the writer said in verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. I want you to key in on that phrase, do not cast away your confidence. And I think about the importance of a life of faith. When you, look at the, when you look at the book of Hebrews, one of the things that stands out is that the writer was, was trying to encourage Hebrew Christians to be faithful to God. Some of the Christians in the first century, those that had obeyed the gospel, had gone back to Judaism. Others were on the verge of going back to Judaism. And so what the writer is doing is stressing the importance of a life of faith. In chapter 11 at verse 6, the Hebrew writer said, Without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to God, for he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. In our context tonight in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer said, The just shall live by faith. Faith is an imperative. Now faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what Paul said in Romans 10 verse 17. We understand the importance of walking by faith and not by sight as Paul would allude to in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 7. So the importance of faith, but then what about the incentives of faith? Listen to what the writer said. Do not cast away your confidence, 
In other words, don't cast your faith to the side. Why? Because it has great reward. Two things I want to share with you along these lines. Number one, when we think about the incentives of faith, we're not in this thing alone. The Bible assures us that Jesus Christ will be there for us. Number one, we have help in times of temptation. Back in chapter 2 at verse 17, the writer tells us that Jesus Christ was made like in all things unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, that he might make propitiation for the sins of the people. In verse 18 he said, in that he himself hath also suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those which are tempted. Jesus has the ability to aid, to rescue us, if you please, in times of temptation. You remember over in chapter four, verse 15, the writer said, we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but one who has been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Sometimes we talk about Jesus understanding what we're going through. He understands our experiences here on earth. Why? Because he's been here. He has engaged in battle with the devil and thus was successful. Read Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. And note, if you would, how Jesus successfully defended himself against temptation. Just as Jesus was faithful in the face of temptation, we too can be faithful. We can overcome temptation. And furthermore, I think about what the writer said in chapter 2, verse 18, that he is able to aid those who are being tempted. In chapter 13, the writer would tell us that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. So when we sign on to live the Christian life, we need to understand the Lord's there with us. He's there throughout our tenure here on planet Earth. And then what about the trials of life? Is it not the case that our Lord can help us in times of trial? In chapter 4, verse 16, the writer would say that we are to draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. All of us experience trials and difficulties in life. In a moment, we're gonna talk about some of the obstacles that we face in our faith. And there are, there are any number of things that, that come our way on a daily basis that discourage, that dampen our faith. There are, there are physical disabilities, Sicknesses, illnesses, financial reversals, the loss of loved ones. There are so many things that we can face in this life and yet the writer tells us that we can turn to Jesus. We can turn to the Lord. In chapter 4 verse 16, we are encouraged to draw boldly under the throne of grace. Why? Because God will help us. You remember the words of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 7? Casting all your care on him for he cares for you. Then there's a second thing I want to share with you. And that is not only do we have help, but we have hope. We have the hope of a better life. Listen again to what the writer said in verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Why? He said, which has great 
reward. As we run the Christian race, what is it that ultimately we hope to achieve? The crown of life. Do you remember James said in James chapter 1, verse 12, blessed is the man that endures temptation? There are outward trials common to all people. There are inward temptations that we face, those struggles that come our way because of the work of the devil. And yet James said that the one who endures shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them who love him. In chapter 6, verse 18, in Hebrews, the writer talks about how Jesus Christ is that anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. We need to anchor our lives to Jesus. In anchoring our lives to the Lord, we understand that we can get through the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the joys and successes of life, and ultimately reap life eternal. Paul, in writing to Titus, in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, said that those of us who live for God, that we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. There are a number of reasons why we obey the gospel. We obey the gospel because we want to enjoy pardon from sin. That is, we want to be forgiven of all of our sins. We want the blessings of peace and serenity accompanying our life. We want to have the presence of God daily in our lives. But ultimately, it's that prize, that promise of heaven that is before us. There are people that come to the end of the road of life. And as they near the end of life, they will sometimes say, this is what I've been living for. I'm about to make my maiden voyage. I'm about to step out into eternity to be with the Lord. Was it not Paul that said, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain? In Philippians 1.23, he would say to depart and be with Christ is far better. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, he would talk about how his life was coming to an end. He said that he had fought the good fight. He had finished his course. He had kept the faith. And he said, henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. So, as we think about keys to helping us run the Christian race, first of all, we've got to stay focused. We need to keep our eyes on the cross. And that's really what the writer is saying in chapter 12, that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and ultimately is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's a second thing I want to call your attention to, and that is we need to stay fit. Now we all understand the importance of staying fit, physically speaking, but we need to stay fit, spiritually speaking. And there's some reasons for that. Number one, because of the obstacles of faith. There are a lot of obstacles that we face in this life. In the outline that I provided for our lesson tonight, I've listed some of the things that we face on a daily basis in this life. Things that are very real, genuine problems that all of us are confronted with. You know, one of the things that, that is unique about life itself 
is that all of us are in this thing together. And we all face in many, in many instances the same problems, the same ups and downs, the highs and lows, the joys and frustrations of life. Why? Because that's what life is all about. So having said that, what about some of the obstacles that we might face in this life? Number one, let me suggest that there is the possibility of drifting spiritually. I said a moment ago that the Hebrew Christians, some of those people were on the verge of going back to Judaism. And really the writer is saying, why would you want to go back to an inferior law? In chapter 8, he points out that this is a better covenant. That is, the Christian system is a better covenant. It was founded upon better promises. Jesus Christ is the mediator of this new covenant. And thus, he functions today as our great high priest. Well, some of those Hebrew Christians, they were drifting. Their lives were not anchored to the Son of God. If your life is not anchored to Jesus, and if you're not striving to the best of your ability to stay in this race, you'll wake up and you'll look around and the conclusion will be, I've drifted. I'm not where I ought to be. In chapter two, verse one, the writer said, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. It's sad to see people, spiritually speaking, that drift. There are reasons why people drift. One is they're not anchoring their lives to the Word of God. If you don't spend time in this book on a regular basis, you're going to be conformed like the world. You're going to really conform to the world as opposed to conforming your life to Jesus. God's word is a blueprint. And the intent of this book is to get you home. Those of us that travel, we understand the importance of maps, road maps, MapQuest, etc., GPS. God's word can guide you from here to eternity. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. So you got to stay anchored to the word. That is, the word of God. And then you have to stay anchored to the word who is God. That's Jesus. And that's what the writer is saying in chapter 6. Jesus is that anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. You can try Jesus. You can Put him to the test, and he'll stand, by, he'll stand by you day in and day out. He'll never let you down. There are some people in our world today, they'll promise to stand by you through thick and thin, whatever comes your way, and guess what? When problems occur, they're nowhere to be found. That's not how the Lord operates. So you got to anchor in to the Word of God and to the Word who is called God. And then a third thing you need to do is anchor in to the worship of God. I wish I could somehow get it through some people's head. Worship is important. I understand that those of us who are here tonight, we're here because we want to be. We're here because we want to be here. And that's great. 
But there are some folks, for whatever reason, they just don't see the importance of coming back. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, the writer talks about the possibility of apostatizing from the faith. It's interesting that in the context that he talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. If people are not in worship, what does that say about their interest? What does it say about their love for the Lord, etc.? And so the possibility of drifting and then there's the possibility of disobedience. The devil's doing everything within his power to circumvent our faith. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary of the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In chapter three of the book of Hebrews, the writer encourages Christians of every age to overcome disobedience, a life of disobedience. In Hebrews chapter 10, the passage I cited a moment ago, the writer said, if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. Now I understand that what the writer there is talking about, if you go back to Judaism and he's talking to the first century Christians, and he's saying, if you go back to Judaism, look, you need to understand, there is no one else coming to pay the price for your sins. But the point that we need to understand is, if we choose to live a life of disobedience and dishonor Almighty God by going back into the world, then we become prey of the devil. And ultimately, we stand in jeopardy of losing our eternal soul. The writer said in chapter 10, verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. All he's saying there is, if you die unprepared to meet God, you're in trouble. And we understand what trouble is all about in this world. There are lots of troubles that we can face, lots of trials we can face. You step out into eternity unprepared to meet Almighty God, you really have trouble. And then there's a third thing. What about difficulties? I mentioned a moment ago some of the difficulties that we face in this life. Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Some folks seem to have more troubles than others. I look at the life of Job and I see that he experienced a number of real life problems. He lost his family, he lost his wealth, he lost his health. In many respects, he lost the support of his wife. And yet Job would say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Look, obstacles are gonna come your way, difficulties are gonna come your way. You live in this world, there's no way to get around trials, tribulations, or problems. That's what life's all about. What we have to do is understand we're gonna face them, but we're gonna stay true to God and we're going to overcome. We're gonna get through these obstacles in life. It's interesting to me that in James chapter one, verse two, James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, isn't it interesting that James would say, count it all joy when you fall into various trials? Why should we be joyful as we experience the trials of life? I think the reason is because James is saying the trials of life, those outward trials can be used as stepping stones to build our faith, to become what we ought to be. And the writer in Hebrews chapter 10, listen if you would to what he said. For you have need of endurance. You want to stay in the race? 
As you face the obstacles of life, you're going to have to equip yourself. You're going to have to develop some keys to staying in the race. So there is the possibility of drifting, disobedience, difficulties, and then what about discouragement? You ever get discouraged? You ever get discouraged about the state of our nation? Most of us, the answer would be yes. You get discouraged when you look at the state of the home in our country today? The answer is yes. Does it ever discourage you when you see young people who have no guidance and direction, who lack love and nurture in their home? Again, the answer would be yes. There are lots of things that can discourage us. Have you ever had a lingering illness, a health issue, and it becomes chronic? I have visited with people in days gone by who have been battling chronic illnesses. And I can assure you that over a period of time, those things weigh heavily on the lives of people. And sometimes they just will tell you they're discouraged. They feel like giving up. In Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 3, look if you would at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3. Listen to what the writer said. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. He's talking about Jesus. He said, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. The writer's saying, look, discouragement is a great tool of the devil. Why do you think some people quit the Christian faith? Why do you think they step aside and no longer run the race? Because of discouragement. Did you know that discouragement is one of the greatest tools of the devil? If the devil can beat you down enough, if he can beat you down over a long period of time, then chances are, in many respects, people just throw up their hands and say, you know what, I've had it, I give up. That's what he wants. And so, obstacles, real life obstacles to our faith. So here's the question. How do we overcome? Well, I said we've got to stay focused and we've got to stay fit. Let's talk for a minute about exercising our faith. Many of us feebly attempt to work out on a regular basis. The reason is because we want our physical body to, well, there are lots of reasons. We're trying to keep ourselves fit. We're trying to keep our body moving. And we're trying to grow stronger, build our cardio, etc. Well, it's important to exercise your physical body. You exercise, you'll feel better physically and mentally. But you need to exercise spiritually. It's not enough to just exercise your physical body. You need to exercise the spiritual side of your life. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said bodily exercise profits a little. You're not discounting the importance of bodily exercise. It is profitable. It will help you. It'll help you feel better. It'll help you, hopefully it'll help you live longer. It'll fortify you so you can serve the Lord longer. 
But what about exercising ourselves unto godliness? That's what Paul's saying in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He said, which is profitable, not only in this life, but in the life which is to come. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer talks about the benefits of growing spiritually. One of the problems with the Hebrew Christians, they weren't growing as they should have been. Spiritually speaking, they were not progressing. And so what the writer said is, what you need to do is go back and learn the ABCs of Christianity, the fundamentals of the faith. Because they should have been at a point in time in their spiritual lives when they could have taught somebody the gospel of Christ. And he said, what you need is somebody to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. So they were spiritually immature. But those who are growing spiritually and feeding on the word of God, what happens? Well, the writer said that we develop the ability, we exercise our senses so that we can discern between good and evil. How are you going to know what's right and wrong if you don't spend time in this book, if you don't exercise yourself spiritually? How are you going to know what's truth and what's error if you don't know this book? If you're not feeding on this, on this eternal word of God, how are you going to know what's good for you and what's bad for you if you're not spending time in this book that we call the Bible? Now we talk about exercising our faith. We exercise our faith by reading, studying, and meditating on the truth of God. We exercise our faith by bowing in the presence of God in prayer. Was it not Jesus that taught that men ought to always pray? And not to faint? How often do you pray? The psalmist in the long ago in Psalm 55 said, Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. There were set times in his life wherein he would pray to God. I would encourage us to pray when we get up. Pray, pray throughout the day. Paul would say, pray without ceasing. And so exercise. Exercise yourself unto godliness. And then the second thing is, if you want to overcome the obstacles of life, you're going to have to develop some endurance. When people choose to run, or when they make the decision to run a marathon, what, what do they have to do? They have to train, don't they? Now we talk about exercise. There is a training program, a training regime, and people build up to the point where they're able to run a half marathon or a marathon by the same token. If we want to successfully run the Christian race, what do we need to do? We've got to equip ourselves so that we can endure the problems of life. If you run, then you probably have experienced that wall where you feel like you can't go any, you, you just can't go another step. Well, sometimes in life, the Christian life, you get beat down, beat down, beat down, and you feel like, you know what, I just can't go another step. But if you have an enduring spirit, then you can make it through the highs and lows. Listen again to what the writer said in verse 36. He said, for you have need of endurance or patience or perseverance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. All of us, whether young or old, black or white, 
rich or poor, we all need one thing, and that is an enduring spirit. Look, if you would, at chapter 12, verse 1, for just a minute. In chapter 12, verse 1, the writer said, Therefore we also, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. We are in the Christian race. We are in the most important race. And the writer is saying, you want to get to the finish line, then you better have some endurance. You can't afford to quit. You may run a marathon, a half marathon, you may choose to quit and walk or whatever. There are no eternal implications there. But if you choose to get out of the Christian race, you got some real problems. Now James said, blessed is the man that endures temptation, trials. Why? You'll receive the crown of life. In chapter 1, verse 2, he said, Count it all joy when you fall into manifold trials, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, perseverance. You see, the trials of life, one of the byproducts of those trials, they will equip you with an enduring or persevering spirit. And so there are some advantages. Now, thirdly, stay faithful. Key in on the importance of of faithfulness in scripture. Listen to what the writer said in verse 37. He said, yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But he said, if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Note the phrase, we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Two points here. Number one, there is always the danger that we might choose to leave the Lord. You need to understand, based on Hebrews chapter 10, or, well, based on a lot of passages of Scripture, the Lord doesn't leave his people. Joshua chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 13, other passages plainly tell us God doesn't walk away from his people. If anybody chooses to walk away, it's us. You ever known anybody that's gone back into the world? You ever known somebody that has cast aside their faith? Did you hear what the writer said? Do not cast away your confidence. Don't cast your faith to the side. Why? Because it has great reward. It's tragic when people make the decision to leave the church, to leave the Lord. And there have been people down through the ages that have walked away. There are lots of reasons. But sadly, Sadly, the real cost is the soul. If you go back into the world, Peter said the latter state, it's worse than the beginning. He said it would have been better not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered. 
when people leave the Lord, I'm not sure they understand the gravity, the perilous situation they're in. Let me tell you what. You want trouble? Leave the Lord. You got more trouble than you can handle. And, and really the, the question is, why would you want to go back? Why, why would you want to go back into the world and leave the joys of Christianity? So the danger of leaving the Lord, but the duty of living for the Lord. Number one, our resolve in the Lord. Verse 39, the writer said, we are not of those who draw back to perdition. Let me just say this, you wanna, you wanna get to heaven? Then you better dig your heels in and say, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, I'm gonna be faithful, come what may. When you, when you sign on to become a child of God, what you're saying is, you're gonna live for the Lord Jesus Christ, come what may, good times, bad times, it doesn't matter. You're all in. When people sign on to a branch of the military, when, when they sign on, they are signing their life away, aren't they? for four years, six years, whatever the case may be. They belong to Uncle Sam. When you signed on to become a New Testament Christian, what you were saying is, you, be you belong to the Lord. Paul said, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and spirit. Why? Because it belongs to God. You belong to the Lord. To the Lord. In the military, if a person walks away, what happens? Well, they say they've gone AWOL. What happens? They're thrown in the brig. If you walk away from the Lord, it's your choice. But you'll pay a heavy price. And so what you have to do, you have to resolve. I'm in this thing until the end. So our resolve in the Lord, our resolve is we're not giving up. We're not giving in. We're not going back. We're in this thing until death. And then what about our reward? What about our reward from the Lord? Listen to what the writer said. We're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Continuous action. We're not going to cast away our faith. Why? Because it has great reward. Why do we want to stay in the race? Because ultimately there is a reward at stake, isn't there? A home in heaven. I want to ask you tonight as we close. When it's all said and done, when life here on planet earth is over, will you have a home in heaven? In the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us in verse 13, speaking of the patriarchs who lived by faith, the Bible said, these all died in faith. Will you die in faith? If you die in faith... I've got good news for you. There is a reward for you. That reward is the Stephanos, the victor's crown, the crown of righteousness. Furthermore, you have an eternal abiding place. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. One day, life as we know it's going to be over with. The world as we know it will be over with. And the only thing that's going to matter 
Where are we? Where will we spend eternity? Stay in the race. Don't give up. Would you bow with me? Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day, for the many blessings that we enjoy. We're thankful for the privilege of being Christians. We're thankful for the opportunity to live for you. Help us, Father, to have the wisdom to stay focused in life, to stay fit, and to stay faithful. And may one day we have a home in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to come to Christ. Do what they did on Pentecost Day. Believe, repent, confess, be baptized into Christ so that every sin might be washed away, Acts 2.38. If you'll do that, God will add you to the church, Acts 2.47. If you're faithful unto death, as we said tonight, the crown of life awaits you. If you're unfaithful, why not come home? Why not come back tonight as we stand and sing?